is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi there, everybody. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 188, recorded on Monday, the 17th of November, 2014. Nice. It is, isn't it? Today is a special day. It is a special day? Well, not really, but it's snowed like crazy today, and there's there's like two inches <sighs> of snow outside. I can't say like crazy. Two no, inches of snow. No, you can't say like crazy. You can say it snowed. For the first time this year. First time this year it snowed and it accumulated, and I had to brush off the car. Uh, but I don't think it snowed like crazy. No, you're right. There'd be there'd be inches, feet of snow out there if it snowed like crazy. But it, I, it, I called my mom today. I told her it snowed like a centimeter and a half, and she laughed at me. Well, of course, they she had lives. like they got like three feet of snow up there. Do they already? Yeah, man, it's snowing like crazy up there. <laughs> she lives in the wrong part of Ontario. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, and if there's one thing that us Canadians like to do, it's talk about the weather. We sure do. So it is snowing out there, which is exciting for all of us. Um, I don't know if it's snowing in Massachusetts, but Michael from Taunton, Massachusetts, sent us in an entry for the contest. How do you spell Taunton? T-A- you spell like Tauntaun? Yes. Well, not quite. Close, though. T-A-U-N-T-O-N. Cool. It, it might be Taunton. Taunton. I don't know. Well, we have a Taunton Road up here, but I always call it Tauntaun Road. Oh, I do too. Why? What else would you call it? I'm going to call yeah. it, I'm going to say Michael's from Tauntaun, Massachusetts. Perfect. Because that's my prerogative. Anyways, this is his recording, and uh, here it goes right now. What I said last year, that first night after the farm, can't be like that. It can't. What we do, what we're willing to do, what we are, is not my call. It can't be. I couldn't sacrifice one of us for the greater good because we are the greater good. We are the reason we're still here, not me. This is life and death. How you live, how you die, it isn't up to me. I'm not your governor. We choose to go, we choose to stay, we stick together, we vote. We can stand, we can fight, or we can go. Right on. Thank you, Michael. That was Rick's uh, speech, Greater Good speech, I'm, I'm going to call that, from, uh, I think the episode was This Sorrowful Life. That was very intense. That was excellent. It, it was. It was very, very good. Thank you. If you want to get an entry in that contest, uh, send them in, record them on your phone, and send them to TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Um, and uh, we'll probably play it here on the show if we can. And if nothing else, it'll be interest- entered into the contest for uh, the big fancy prize we have at the end of the season. Super prize. That's right. Super prize. I have a question for you, Chris. Yes. Whatever happened to the happy whatever day? Remember we used to say what day it was in history, <laughs> like the happy bowling ball thumbhole day? Oh, kind of thing. Is there really a bowling ball thumb? No, thing? there isn't. But uh, there was. It was pretty obscure. Some of them. So whatever happened to that? You just did. You consciously stop doing that, or did you forget about it like I did? I phased it out. Um, although it was more. It wasn't really a phase out. But no, I consciously stopped doing it. I think I. Uh, I think I stopped one episode, 
and nobody really said anything. And then maybe I did it the next time and then not the next time. And then that was it. It just went away. So really what happened was you figured nobody cared. You know, I, I decided that it had run its course and it all started when I wished you a happy birthday one day. And, and then, and I just kept going from there. And then after a while I decided I'd had enough and, uh, and I stopped, and nobody really said anything, so I just stopped. So uh, <laughs> Until now. <laughs> until right now. <laughs> that occurred to me like a couple of weeks ago, but I've been trying to remember to bring it up it, in the actual podcast, but uh, today I remembered. Yeah, I can't remember exactly when it was, but um, it might have been during last season sometime. I can't remember if I started season four doing it or not, but uh, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> Okay, about 100 years ago. It's just the evolution of the podcast. It's always changing. It's like a gelatinous blob that's a different shape every week. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. It does, doesn't it? Uh, all right. Um, what are we doing next? Let's get into our recap of this week's episode. Okay. Hi, guys. This is Connie from Connecticut. Just calling to say, consumed. Thank you, Connie from Connecticut. Consumed is the title of this episode. Mm-hmm. It is season five, episode six. So after this, there's only two more until the mid-season break. Right. So this after this one and the next one, we only have uh, one left. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you, Barney. Uh, <laughs> hey, good. You got that. That was a that was a Simpsons reference from like season two or something. What's Barney's last name? Uh, I don't. Uh, Gumble. Barney Gumble. <laughs> no, it's not Barney Gumble. He's an announcer. No, that's Bryant Gumble. It might be Barney Bryant Gumble. Gumble. I don't think it's Barney Gumble. It's Barney. It's just okay. Barney. All right, it's just Barney. Um, yeah, no, that's a good reference. After this case of beer and that case of beer, we only got one case left. That's right. We better make a beer run. We better. All right, uh, let's begin this episode. So this one's all about Carol and Daryl. A lot of people have been waiting for this episode to find out where they've been, what they've been doing, and it's all been revealed now. So we start with... Uh, a flashback, and it's Carol yeah. starting to drive away right after she's been banished by Rick. Remember when that happened? I do remember when that happened. She's been banished, and uh, she drives along, and at some point, she pulls over, sits at the side of the road. She's crying, doesn't know what to do, I guess. And then uh, a zombie comes to her window, starts banging its arm against the window. And uh, instead of doing anything about it, she just drives off, and the zombie slowly follows her car down the road. She doesn't wear her seatbelt at all. Like, she's never didn't learn anything from the last crashes in this show. You wear your damn seatbelt regardless of uh, nobody being on the road. Yeah, I would agree with that. Seatbelts are important, especially... Seatbelts save lives. They really do. And the car cars roll over on this show so frequently, it seems like. I All of them. I think one has a car not rolled over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every car that they've come across, they've rolled over. Or I, I think once when, uh, you remember at the beginning of season three, I think they went to the big stop and there was uh, uh, Tyrese and Daryl and uh, Bob and somebody else. Michonne, they were in a car. That didn't roll. You're right. That one didn't roll over. Every other one, though, definitely has. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know what? The uh, the suit, no. Uh, the Hyundai never rolled over, did it? Oh, God, no. That thing didn't even get dirty. Barely even got dirty. Yeah. No, you can't roll the Hyundai. No. It's unrollable. <laughs> Especially in this world. That's right. Uh, so Carol's driving around. She comes to a building that is the Whalen Law Firm, it looks like. Yeah. At least that's what it says on the outside. So she goes inside, 
and uh, she shakes a pen jar to make sure there's no zombies around. She sort of, you know, pokes her pokes around a little bit to make sure it's safe. Then we see her searching for some water in some recycling in a recycling bin full of uh, full of um, bottles. I thought she was just sorting the recycling, you know, like a responsible. Uh... <laughs> Citizen. Just making sure that it's all in the right place and there's no colored yeah. glass mixed with clear glass and things like that. Yeah, if you had newspapers in with the bottles, that's bad. So, uh, yeah, she's just sorting the recycling. Okay, well, that's good. I, I figure she was probably looking for water. <laughs> yeah, no, screw that. Yeah. Um, then she tries to sleep on the couch, but she lies there with her eyes wide open. You know, she's not really ready to sleep. Probably got a lot on her mind, having just been banished and all. And now it's morning. She goes to hang. Wait, 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 wait. Sorry, go back a little bit. Did you notice that she's uh, she had a candle going? I think that was a crayon. I don't think she was burning a candle. I think she was burning a crayon. Can you do that? Was a, I think there was a little box of crayons next to her when she was lying down. So I, I think it was a red crayon. But I don't, I don't, how does I don't that know work? if you can do that. I have no idea. But it probably wasn't. But it looked like a crayon. Most likely it was like a little box of birthday candles and she yeah. was burning a birthday candle. But... I guess now that makes more sense. I was just going to say probably birthday candles because they're small and skinny like that. Um, and, and they have a wick. They do. Crayons or do crayons, not. Crayons, very few crayons have a wick. It's a really crappy crayon if it has a wick. In fact, it's probably a candle if it has a wick. <laughs> I don't know. I've used crayons on that wicks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so she's burning her crayon candle and now it's morning. And she goes to hang this plastic bag out the window, I guess, to catch water. She's very concerned about water right now. Don't blame her. Uh, or squirrels, either one. Sure, she's going to catch squirrels in the plastic bag. That'll work. Maybe fill it with peanut butter and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she sees black smoke rising in the distance. So we yep. cut to her driving down the road. Um, we know she's going towards the prison because she patch passes that hitchhiker's maybe escaping inmates sign. Mm-hmm. And then she stops the car, and in the reflection in the windshield, we can see the guard tower on fire. So this is basically what happened to Carol between the time she was banished by Rick and the governor attacked the prison and blew up the guard tower and everything went to hell. Really uneventful for her. Very eventful for the prison. Very, very much. Um, so I thought we were going to get a little bit more of this particular story of what happened while she was banished, but this is it. That's it. She spent well, one night. It seemed like nothing happened. Nothing did happen. She... So well, how can there, how can there be more? Well, I don't know. I just feel felt like maybe they could have shown us more time. Like if, even if it was only 24 hours, like she spent one night and then woke up and maybe it was late the next day or something like that. I don't know. There Something could have happened, but it doesn't really seem like anything happened. She found this building. She searched for water. She went to sleep. She woke up, saw the smoke and came back to the prison. Yep. That's pretty much it. So that was the cold open. We go to the credits and, uh... When we come back, she's driving with Daryl. So we're back in the present now, and they are following the car that uh, that uh, with the white cross on it. Mm -hmm. And he's telling her, Daryl is telling her what happened to Beth. Um, the white cross car in front knocks over a zombie, and then they run over its head. Very squishy. <laughs> Very squishy. Uh, Daryl mentions that the tank is running low, and Carol says, you know, why don't we just run him off the road? I mean, we could could make this easier why do we have to follow him the whole way but daryl wants to see who they are what they do and uh then decide how to get beth back rather than you know run the guy off the road and try to interrogate him right and carol notes that they're heading north 
this point. That, that's good. Yeah. So there's a really cool shot now of both cars approaching Atlanta on the same road that Rick rode in on the horse in season one. Yeah. Do you remember that? That was, it's, I, it's, yeah, it was cool. It's uh, deserted on one side. It's, it's a really cool callback. I thought actually it's sort of mm. at, at night now, whereas Rick was doing it in the day, but very, very cool callback to the first episode again, the pilot episode. Um, now we get into the city, we're into Atlanta, the hospital car in front stops and Daryl and Carol stop a good distance back. They watch a cop get out of the passenger side and walk off down a street. And then another zombie comes to the window, or I should say a zombie comes to this car's window and starts banging on it. Yeah. starts gnawing on the car. I'm going to eat that car because it's got tasty treats inside. Yeah, that's right. This is, this car is like a treat container and I need to open it. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's crispy on the outside, but nice and soft and squishy on the inside. There you go. But they ignore him again. They just, they're like, let's just leave this zombie alone. Nothing we can do. He's not going to get us. We'll just let him lick the glass for a while. Well, what are they going to do? I mean, they're going to, they can't shoot him because that'd make too much noise. Right. They can't even roll down the window and stab it in the face because then all of a sudden zombie, you know, if they're, if they hear a zombie behind them and it makes a squishy noise and then stops being zombie noises then uh, they're going to know something's up. So they can't do anything but let it lick the windows. Right. The The problem I have is, so the cop comes back from down the street, and it looks, I couldn't tell what he was doing, but it looks like he dumped a bicycle or something on the road. I don't know what happened. He brought, uh, or she, I thought it was a... Could be. It was a she that came uh, came back. Uh, looked like they went and grabbed something and then brought it back and put it somewhere else. So they're reorganizing the city. Well, after they're they're <laughs> yeah maybe, but after they're finished, they they drive down that way. So I thought maybe they were going to open a gate or something like that. Right. So that no, they it's can... a bicycle. You're right. Is it? Yeah. So I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know why they'd stop to get out and move a bicycle, but it seems to be what they they did. Um, but when the cop comes back and and dumps that bicycle, he or she notices. The zombie knocking on the car, but instead yeah. of coming to investigate, it just gets back in the car and drive off down that street, which I thought was a little bit strange. Um, if you look back and you see a zombie knocking on a car, doesn't it occur to you that um, I just drove there and there was no car there? Uh, yeah, that would be suspicious. Like 20 seconds ago, we drove down that road and we did not smash into that car, so it was not there 20 seconds ago, and now there's a zombie knocking on the window Maybe we should go and check that out. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Maybe the zombie brought the car. Maybe you know there were <laughs> you know the uh, there was a bunch of zombies pushing a car. You know what though? There's zombies. Who knows? Then again, now that I just said that, I'm like, that sounds kind of potentially dangerous. Like if if the maybe the cop did realize that that car is new. Uh oh, we're being followed. Maybe I shouldn't just approach it in the night. I'm liable to get shot in the face. Right. So they turned uh, when the when the cop got back into the passenger seat of the car, the car turned right. So it looked like they were getting the bicycle, and there was something else they moved to. So it looked like they were getting them out of the way so that they could go down that road. I guess so. Um, I, the bike was blocking the road enough that they had to stop and get out instead of drive around it. But you're right. I guess that's that's probably what they were doing. Yeah. Um. Now Daryl and Carol try to start up again, but their car won't start. And so they are now stuck here, and Carol says that she knows a place they can hole up until sunrise, which is close by. Have you ever run out of gas in a car? I've come close, but no, never never totally run out of gas. Okay. I just think it's a weird coincidence that it ran out of the gas ran out of the gas after you turned it off. 
Well, Daryl did say as they were driving, the tank is getting low. So Yeah, but the car could have started up and then stalled. Like, oh, crap, that was the last of the gas. But, you know, it's just a it's very big coincidence that they come to a stop, turn off the car, everything's fine, and they can't start it again because they're out of gas. Does Does starting a car require a little extra sort of injection of fuel? Probably. So they they might have had if they hadn't turned it off, maybe they'd had would have had enough to keep going another, you know, a couple of miles or something. But turning it off, they just didn't have enough to restart it. True, but also when they tried to turn it back on, it just clicked, right? Uh, I don't know. I think it. I I don't remember. I think it might have made some sort of startup sound, but just not quite. Okay. All right. Well, I don't remember a startup sound, but I'm just wondering because when you start the the engine, it's uses the battery to start the engine. Right. That's true. So you got the starter, and it could make it cranks over, it just won't won't you know rev up. Uh, but anyway, I just thought that was kind of crappy. Yeah, well, crappy for them. Their car wouldn't start. That's true. And it's the middle of the night, and there's zombies around, and now they've lost the pe- person they were following. So and they're in a bad neighborhood. Yes, they are. Car won't start. That's just bad news. Pretty much everywhere is a bad neighborhood now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Carol says she knows a place, so they run over somewhere. Now, it's dark, and it's nighttime, and it's, it sounds like Daryl's trying to, like, hack open a gate or something like that. He's he's bashing on something. Carol's keeping watch, and uh, we can start to hear a whole bunch of zombies coming, but you can't see them, really. Or some in a wider shot, there's some shadows of zombies coming. I thought this was a pretty effective scene for Creep Factor. Mm-hmm. It it creeped me out. I was like, "Ooh, I can hear zombies. I don't know how close they are, but they better get through that gate to safety soon. It's uh, it's getting scary out here. It's creepy. Uh, and of course they do, and they run inside. So now they are walking through an office building of some kind, and they take a set of keys off of a corpse that's on the ground. Yep. My thought here was, this is dumb. You can never be too careful. Why not? Stab that dude in the head just to make sure he's not going to suddenly lunge up and, you know, bite your arm off while you're picking up the keys. Yeah, that's what I do. I think it's a great idea. I don't know why they wouldn't do that. But no, Daryl just reaches down, gets the keys. Um, I guess he's Daryl, so he knows. He knows these things. He can tell when a zombie's really dead or not. Yeah, well, they don't have a lot of experience with lurkers. They have a lot of experience with walkers, and only a couple of uh, a couple of things have happened with lurkers. And I don't think either Carol or Daryl has ever dealt with a lurker. So I think they're a little soft in the lurker department. You could be right, but after two years or whatever, I just, you never want to let your guard down. It seems... No, stab the guy in the head just out of, uh, you know, just to be sure. Yeah. Always stab the guy in the head just to be sure when you're going for his keys. It <laughs> It is a good rule to live by. Yeah. Um, Daryl asks Carol as they're going through the building if she used to work here or something, and she says, yeah, something. Or something. <laughs> yeah. And as they're going along, they push a desk in front of a door and they make their way into a small room with a bunk bed. Mm-hmm. And Daryl asks, what is this place? And Carol says, temporary housing. And he notices a book on a table called Treating Survivors of Childhood Abuse. Yep. So this is a place where uh, where Carol and Sophia came, I think, to get away from the abuse of her husband, Ed. Right, and that becomes clear a little later on. It does, for sure. Now, Carol offers to take watch, uh, first watch, while Daryl sleeps, and she reminds him that people, uh, that he said people get to start over, and she asks him whether he started over, and he said he's trying. He's still trying to start yeah. over. It's a tough thing to do, I guess, start over. It is, yeah. To, to reboot your whole life. 
Hit the reset button. Yep. I did that once. Reinstall your operating system and, and, and reboot into a, a fresh new upgrade. Yep. Yeah, I hit the reset button once, uh, broke up with my girlfriend, quit my job, and moved. That's pretty good. That's almost yeah. everything. That Yeah, that's pretty much, uh, that was it. You Started did, over. Did you throw out your whole wardrobe and buy all new clothes? No, I didn't have any money. <laughs> I quit my job. <laughs> and you moved, so you probably had a down payment or something on a rent or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Uh, Carol continues to talk about not being able to save people anymore. And uh, she tells Daryl that she doesn't know what she would have done if he hadn't shown up at the car when she was out there fiddling around with it. She wasn't sure if she was going to leave or stay or just hang around. She didn't know. Right. Well, it's hard to know sometimes. It's tough. It's tough to know. It's tough to start over. And, and leaving in a mystery car is one of the things you might do if you were starting over. So they both lie down on the bottom bunk. Nobody's on watch yep. now after talking about being on watch. And uh, they just kind of lie there for a second. And you know, my my what I thought here is there is no, despite what the internet wants, there did not seem to be any sexual tension at all between these two characters. No, and it kind of made me sad. I was hoping uh, that, you know, Daryl would yawn and put his arm around her and <laughs> uh, they'd start to cuddle and then, ever, then they would just get it on. Just, you know, get it over with. But uh, there, yeah, there was no sexual tension here at all. There wasn't the playfulness that they've had uh, previously. Uh, so I don't know what's going on. Well, that's too bad. I'm not. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure. I necessarily expected anything. Like it's uh, it's a harsh world, man. It's it's tough to to be unless you're Abraham to be thinking about sex, especially with ass. Yeah, I mean, especially with these two characters who have you know. Other things on their mind, I suppose. Yeah, you know, but it's also the end of the world. You got to, you know, you got to get affection where you can. <laughs> I suppose. And yeah. they've obviously got chemistry. They obviously know each other. They trust each other. They have a rapport. Uh, none of them are attached to li living people. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, why not? I, yeah, I'm saying it could be fun. It could be a good idea, but uh, I. I don't think it's totally outside the realm of possibility that they're just not into that at this moment. Well, you think Daryl is, uh, he's got a soft spot for Beth and that's what, uh, what he's doing is he's going to save the love of his life. Could be. I mean, he, well, I don't know about that either, but he at least at the very least feels guilty about losing Beth and he's kind of a single, single minded guy, right? He, he's, he gets focused on something I think. And then right now his mission is to get to Beth and save her. Not to get it on with Carol. <laughs> well, yeah. She's just got to dig. The, I think they have to lighten up. She's got to call him Pookie a couple of more times. And uh, then they got to stumble across uh, a, a, you know, a bottle of vodka. <laughs> I was just going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and well, she needs to make more going down jokes like she did way back in season two. Exactly. You know, okay. they've got the rapport. The rapport is there. Uh, I'm sure alcohol is available uh, in this post-apocalyptic Atlanta. Uh you know, I just I thought it was, I thought it was a missed opportunity. I think that we could have uh, an, you know a, a thing between these two characters, and I would be okay with that. It was a missed opportunity. Missed sorry to get wasted and do it. <laughs> well, they don't have to. I think the writers missed an opportunity, not the characters. Okay, sorry. The characters have the reasons, but we don't know what they are. But the writers also have reasons, and we don't know what they are. But we can blame the writers because they're actual people. You can't blame characters, right? They're not real. They're just They're characters. fictional. Right. So, yeah. 
anyway, I think the writers missed an opportunity to have uh, something happen that would have been okay with me. All right. Well, I, I think you and the rest of the internet, too, because a lot of people want to see these two get together. Right. Now, while they're lying there not having sex, they suddenly hear a noise. Mm-hmm. And they get up and go down the hall, and they find two zombies behind a frosted glass door, an adult zombie and a little child zombie who is smaller. That's how you know it's a kid. <laughs> yep. As a general rule, right? Is a general rule, yeah. Could have been a uh, little person, but I'm pretty sure it was a kid. Right. Uh, Carol goes to open the door and kill them, but he stops her. Daryl stops her and says, you don't have to. He does that twice, and then she leaves. So she did really didn't have to. Right, because it's, they're, they're already dead. And they're behind a frosted door, which is... And Carol likes to kill live people, not oh, dead people. That's true. That's true. She likes to kill living people. If they were alive and, and threatening them, then... Uh, Carol would have off them for sure. She would have kicked that door down and been right through there. Yeah. Uh, she leaves, and we see Carol lying in bed. She closes her eyes and sleeps, and time passes, and now it's morning because the sun came up and it got light. She sees a fire out the window, and out there she finds Daryl as he brings out a small body wrapped in a white sheet and throws it in the fire, and she comes out behind him and says thank you. So he took care of those two zombies while she was asleep overnight right um you know i guess uh he just wanted to do that for her so she wouldn't have to go through that again she's had enough trouble with zombie children (laughs) or children in general but but, you know carol shouldn't have a problem with this she's been saying all along that they're not people you know you got to take care of this stuff you know she shouldn't have an emotional uh you know reflex for not killing, well, not wanting to kill zombies. How could she not, though? I mean, she lost her daughter, who became a zombie. She had to, you know, she saw one little girl murder another one, and then she had to murder the first little girl. And, you know, I mean, she's got a, how could she not have some sort of emotional reaction to, you know, children? Because she's, she's hard now. Carol is hard, and she is beyond emotionally damaged when it comes to this. So I don't think that this kind of thing would uh, bubble up to the level of her consciousness at all. I think it would be a subconscious thing that she would suppress. I don't see this as something that would bother her. No, nah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I mean, it's it hasn't been that long since she had to kill Mika. And in fact, the show reinforces it because right after the commercial, we come back and we're in a flashback again. And here's Carol digging the grave for Lizzie and Mika with Tyrese bringing a body out. And uh, she looks up and she sees smoke again, but I don't know. I I think, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that Carol has, yes, she's hardened, but she's definitely still emotionally affected by, by children, especially. Right. And uh, I just want to point out that uh, two of the three fires she's seen so far uh, were started by Daryl. Uh, were they? Except for... So the, the- the except for the the, uh, the prison when it was on fire, that one was probably not started by Daryl. But who knows, really? Because we didn't see who started that particular fire. Well, it was shot by the tank. I'm pretty sure you could say that. Yeah, well, I don't know, but maybe Daryl came back later and set it on fire. Fine, for okay. whatever reason. Okay, but the second one uh, that we saw, Daryl was uh, he started that fire because he wanted to burn the bodies of mm-hmm. the uh, of the zombies. And the fire she saw while burying uh, the two little girls was the cabin that uh, Daryl and Beth set on fire. That's correct. You're absolutely so, right. So two of the two out of the three fires so far are started by uh, by Daryl, uh, who I'm now thinking is a bit of a firebug. He seems so watch to, for that. 
he seems to enjoy starting the fires. Um, that's it for the, the uh, flashback here this time. We go back to the present. Carol's packing a bag. And uh, Daryl suggests they get up in a tall building for a good view. And uh, I, I thought he meant a tall car because he said we got to get what? another car. Well, he said in the statement that he was in his lines, he said, we got to get another car. We got to get into the city. We should get up in a tall one so we can get a look at what's going on. Yeah, a tall didn't building. Say, but I know that. I figured that out. But <laughs> the last object that he had mentioned in his dialogue was a car. So I thought maybe he's going to get a tall car. What does that mean? An SUV or a van or something? So anyway, it was just a bit of a confusion thing because he didn't say tall building. He said tall one. Okay. Right. And we had to put that together. It. I, I didn't really have trouble doing that myself. <laughs> tall one, tall building. He didn't mean a tall boy. We need to get a tall boy a beer and... Uh... Well, of course you need to get a tall boy. <laughs> yeah. That goes without saying. You're going into the city, you get a tall boy. Sure. You're there with your uh, with your love interest, as you said. Yeah. Need some booze. Um, all right. Where the hell are we? Uh, we get some shots of abandoned Atlanta. They come, uh, Daryl and Carol come running up to a street corner. They look around and there are lots of zombies around the corner. Uh, but they decide they want to want to get into a building connected to another one with a bridge above the street. Right. So Daryl lights a pad of paper he has on fire and throws it out across the intersection to distract the zombies. Did you see how fast that pad of paper caught on fire? I did. You that, did, and so did everybody else. That was amazing. It that was amazing fire. It was. It really was. But you know. That's what you need if you're going to light a pad. What I figured is it was really dense. It was like some legal pad or something very dense. All the paper was stuck together well. So once it started burning, it burned really fast. Well, that's the opposite of what would happen, actually. Well, <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't know why. I just feel like dense, it would... I don't know. Maybe that law firm uh, was extremely paranoid, and they made all of their legal pads out of flash paper. So that they could burn them really quickly in the event. That's right. Of, okay. So if they need to get rid of everything rather than going through super fast shredders, they just let it on fire and it all just freaking blows up. Boom. Into nothing. Exactly. Okay. Makes more sense. Uh, well, anyways, the zombies get distracted by the uh, flash paper of pad, pad flash paper, and they, Daryl and Carol run around into a parking garage and they make their way up to the bridge. They yep. find a bunch of zombies in there, stuck in sleeping bags and tents. <laughs> a zombie camp. <laughs> there was a zombie camp here. It was sort of hilarious. Um, they start killing them, but they leave the bunch of zombies stuck in the tents because I guess they figure they're not really a threat because zombies aren't smart enough to operate a zipper. They would be, though. I mean, we know zombies had carried some residual memories of their life, and I figure that they're, they're inside a tent. They know how to open a tent. Well, some. They, ca they carry some residual memories, but they tend to carry things that are special to them. So, you oh, know, I Morgan's... So they're not... Nobody's a professional tenter. No, nobody here is go goes camping every weekend, I think. Um, these are people who were living in these tents in an indoor space for some reason. Um, and then for somehow they died and became zombies stuck in sleeping bags. Uh, you know, if they were professional outdoorsmen, who slept in a tent every week, then maybe I could see opening a tent. True. Um, but uh, they don't kill all of them. They leave some of them stuck in the tents, which is silly, and uh, they squeeze through a chained door into an office. Now, as they were squeezing through, I the camera kind of lingered on the glass for a little minute, uh, for a bit, 
And yep. I could see someone's reflection in there, and it wasn't very prominent, but I don't think it was a zombie. I think it was somebody following them. I also saw that, and I also thought that. All right. I didn't catch it until the second watch through. Oh, really? Uh, I got it. But but then I did, and I paused it and was like, ooh, somebody's there. I wonder who that is, although I knew by that time. So it's Noah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Noah's following yeah. them. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but anyways, they get, they squeeze through into this office. They look out at burnt Atlanta. I thought this was a really good sort of shot of the city to show us more detail on uh, what's happened in Atlanta. And Carol says uh, Daryl hasn't asked what happened with Tyrese and the girls. And he says he doesn't have to because he knows what happened. They aren't here now, so he assumes. Yeah. But Carol says, no, it was worse than that. Um, and uh, she doesn't elaborate, but she's just saying it, it's they didn't just die. They didn't just get eaten. Something really bad happened. And this is yeah. what I mean. Like, she's still, yes, she's hardened to this, but Carol is still definitely affected by that. Like, that was the worst thing that she's ever had to go through, maybe with the exception of losing Sophia or watching her walk out of that barn in season two. Yep, that could be. So um, they're looking out the window and they notice a van with white crosses on it hanging off a bridge not too far off. So uh, they decide they have to go and get it. Well, of course. Investigate it. It's a, it's a clue. It's absolutely a clue. They're tracking down a lead. That's right. Uh, now, before they go, they have a conversation about a painting that's on the wall in this office. Uh, well, awesome conversation about a painting on a wall true would you like to tell would you like to explain what daryl how he described the painting he said it was like a, they put paint on a dog's ass and <laughs> he wiped his ass across the canvas a couple times that's kind of what it looked like but carol says she likes it she kind of likes well, this I, painting i kind of liked it too but i liked it even though it did look like a dog scooched his ass across it that's why you liked it <laughs> yeah so it all kind of came together in one uh, artistic moment for me and uh, i was on board well, I wonder if that's an actual painting or if they made it for the show. Because if it's an actual painting that they, they bought from an artist and then they describe it as a dog's ass being wiped across the canvas, that's kind of insulting. It's but kind of if insulting. It's, if, it's, if it's made just for the show uh, and they did that on purpose to meet the, uh, the requirement of the line, uh, then I'm okay with that. Uh, well, the book that he found earlier, the uh, childhood abuse book, I looked that up. It's a real book. Yeah. So that could could be. Well, a they didn't painting. disparage the book. It didn't say it was a stupid book made for jerks. You're right. So uh, that's one thing. Uh, it's probably product placement. They probably got paid to put that book in there. Oh, maybe I don't know. Uh, but I'm just saying it's a real book, so it could have been a real painting. But uh, maybe the artist is dead, so he doesn't care anymore. Probably. It, well, you know, regardless, two big time TV actors talked about this painting on TV. Uh, so it's probably worth more now than it was before. Uh, they talked about it, even though they disparaged it. That's a good point. They could say whatever they want about it. Someone's looking for that painting to purchase right now. Pro oh, yeah. Probably. probably hanging up, uh, uh, you know, gaining wealth, gaining value right now. There you go. So you can call it a dog's ass all you want, but it's uh, going to be good for it. Um, yeah, so Carol says she kind of likes it, and she says, you don't know me. And he <laughs> says, you keep telling yourself that. So he thinks he knows her. She says no. <laughs> See, they're starting to, to get a little warmer again. I, I, you know, a little bit of banter back and forth? A little bit. Not too much. Uh, they're leaving, so they squeeze back out through that chained door, 
And all of a sudden, Carol goes first, and all of a sudden, Noah is there, and he has Carol's gun because she threw it through the door without looking. You don't push your weapon through first and then go in after it. It doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, does it? I don't. I don't remember actually ever learning that in uh, in my basic training, but uh, it just seems like something I would not do, or at least stick your head through the damn door and look around a little bit first, because Noah's out there and he's right there, or you know, push it through but hang on to it with the strap. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, a little bit of precaution can go a long way in this kind of scenario. Uh, I, I think also that they could have figured out a way to pry that door open with uh, to be able to just walk through it. But that's just me. Yeah, break the chain somehow so you can just open the door properly. Yeah, or take the door off the hinges or bust the actual whatever the chain's around because that's probably a lot weaker than the thick-ass chain that's on there right now. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yeah, there's, anyway. There's a few things they could have done rather than just blindly squeeze through. Do-dee-do-dee-do. You're going to go through this door, and I'm going to push my weapons. Everybody push your weapons for, through first so we don't have to touch them until we get to the other side. <laughs> Just hand them over to whoever's there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's Noah, and he has Carol's gun, and he steals their he steals the crossbow, takes their other weapons, and then as he's leaving, he cuts the zombies out of the nearest tent or a couple of tents before running off, you know, leaving Carol and Daryl there to fight their way out of these zombies and probably die. So he's kind of a dick. Um, Carol shoots a zombie and then goes to shoot Noah, but Daryl knocks her hand down. He doesn't let her shoot him. That's because she likes to murder, and Daryl recognizes that in her now. Yeah, but this guy just stole their weapons and left them for dead. I mean, if anyone deserves to be shot, maybe not murdered, but at least shot. I don't think so. I think that they're they're survival sur- survivors. They can uh, they can find more weapons. I agree with Daryl in this situation. All you know, right. it's just it's just a gun. It's going to run out of bullets in about ten minutes anyway. The crossbow is nice, but you know Daryl's never going to lose that, and he knows it. Yeah. So uh, you know you don't have to shoot that guy. Besides, he's a plot device. He's going to come in in handy later. Oh, well, he's definitely a plot device. But this is the conversation that they have basically in the next scene when they're walking through kind of an empty floor. And uh, Carol's talking about how they need these weapons or they might die. And she doesn't want anyone to die. But Daryl says he was just a damn kid. And I don't blame him for what he did, basically, is what he's saying. He was surviving like we were surviving this whole time. And and I think Daryl also recognizes that Noah is good at ironing, which is very important in the post-apocalyptic world because all his clothes are, di- are dirty and wrinkled. And he plans to have that rectified in the uh, short term. And Noah's the guy. You know, a listener wrote in, not too uh, long ago this week, and he said, with all the ironing talk on this podcast lately, I'm just going to call Jason Iron Man. I'm sure he won't mind that. Done. <laughs> I'm getting shirts made up. <laughs> I am Iron Man. <laughs> I am Iron Man. You could probably just buy that somewhere. I'm sure it exists. <laughs> Still, I'm making my own. There. Oh, why not? So uh, what's happening? They Jimmy opened this door, and um, before they leave, Carol goes to to pick up uh, pick up Daryl's bag and the book, the childhood abuse book, falls out. So he took it. Yeah. He brought it with him. But why? Is he just looking for something to read? Does he recognize the fact that uh, this sort of applies to Carol and her experience with her her daughter? I mean, no, I it's him. It's him wanting to survive child abuse mm. and read about it. Or you know, the world is severely short on toilet paper, and this is a. Uh, a good thick 
comfy book to use. Speaking of toilet paper, uh, I just remembered, I noticed in the zombie camp scene, there was a roll of toilet paper mounted on a, like a coat hanger on the wall in that no, bridge. No, it, it was, uh, it was uh, paper towels. No. But still. Are you yeah, sure? Yeah, it was paper towels. Yeah, because I noticed it, and I, I remember saying, okay, look, paper towels. I'd take those. I was looking around that camp during that whole scene for good stuff to take, because if you're camped out, and you got six people camped out with three tents or 12 people or whatever, there's going to be some good shit there. Oh, there's yeah. Gonna, somebody's going to have something. Somebody's going to have a power bar, or they're going to have a Gatorade, or they're going to have a camp stove, or they're going to have a portable toilet, or something. A roll of toilet paper, then I saw the... T- the uh, the, the what do you call them? what do they just call them paper towel paper towels uh i would totally take the paper towels man i thought for sure it was a roll of toilet paper maybe i've been wiping my ass with paper towel all my life that sounds very uncomfortable <laughs> overall yeah probably uh anyhow you're right there's probably some good stuff there they should have searched around a little bit more but well they looked in one guy's pockets like daryl stabbed the guy in the head that was in the uh in the sleeping bag mm-hmm. unzipped it looked in one pocket, decided that, nah, that's probably just his penis, and then moved on with something else. <laughs> well, that came out of nowhere. <laughs> there was a video on the internet where, you remember, a cop was searching uh, a guy that it was under arrest, and he said, what's this? And the guy said, that's my penis. <laughs> that escalated to penis quicker than I thought. <laughs> it's okay. true, though. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess so. I'm never... Putting my hand in another man's pocket again. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's a general rule, too, that you should live by. General rule. Um, okay, so the book falls out of his bag. They kind of give each other a look, and they go through the door that he's just jimmied open. We go to commercial, and we come back, and it's another flashback. So it's Carol watching the two bodies burning at the prison. Right. Another fire. And this fire she started herself. That's true. So what is it? One to the governor, two to Daryl, one to Carol. That's right. All right. Keep track of that. We'll have to see That's what... 75% fire started by our uh, intrepid duo here. That's true. That is true. They're f- These people are fire people. Uh, that's it, though. We go back to the present, and they are now approaching the van on the bridge. We can see zombies coming in the distance. They get to the van. They open the back and go inside to search it, and they notice a stretcher that's in the back there from Grady Memorial Hospital. So that's a big clue. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they go outside the van to fight off the zombies that are now too close, but uh, there's too many of them, and they have to get back in the van and close the doors for safety. So now they're stuck in this van that's hanging off a bridge, and uh, there are too many zombies outside. Yeah, just dumb. It, come on, you can't, they're in the middle of a bridge, uh-huh. uh, you know, that's clear, you know, it's a clear, nice day. They can see for a couple of kilometers and they don't see the zombies coming. Oh, I'm sure they did. I just think they, uh. Oh, they did. There they are. Yep. Yeah, they're coming. Yeah. They and just didn't care. They didn't care. Exactly. How about one person stands watch? How about that? How about take your time and, you know wait until the zombies have cleared or or kill them somewhere else or lure them away or do anything but get yourself stuck on a bridge with nowhere to go and zombies coming in from both sides. Yeah. You know, this is not smart survivor behavior. Um, 
it's this is uh you had brought up living on a pier at one point and and you're right at least on a pier if you have a boat you can boat away or you can jump in the water if you had to and swim on a bridge you're stuck unless you have a helicopter but they don't no they don't have a helicopter not even one between them no exactly so bad bad survivor behavior here now they're stuck in a van and they decide that the only option here is to buckle themselves into the front seats of the van and let it go over the bridge and hope they survive the fall. So, Because uh, you just have to assume that all the zombies would push the van in the same direction at the same time in order to tip it over the edge. Well, I, I do think eventually that, that thing would probably fall, but it may not have happened as quick as it did in the show. Uh, I'm not convinced of that, but we'll move on. Okay. No, I think it would fall eventually. Um, the van plummets down, uh, but uh, lands. On its wheels. On, on its wheels. <laughs> it's tipping over all the way, but then they it, uh, a quick cut, then <sighs> it lands on its wheels. Yeah. Do you want to say anything else about that before it's we horrible. move on? It's horrible. It was, it was really crappy. Uh, it was even the shot from inside the vehicle as it was going over. Obviously, it was going to land on its roof, at the very least. But I assumed that in the uh, that the uh, the bottom of the van was buttered, and therefore flipped over magically to land buttered side down on the ground. Or it was a cat, and it switched, it flipped itself in the air and landed on its feet. That could be too, right? Um, I, I, I'm going to go with buttered because it's more likely. You're, that the van was buttered on the bottom instead of it, it being an actual cat that they crawled into. That, that's true. Uh, very, very true. Um, and when they land on the ground, zombies start raining down on this van, which was kind of cool. I mean, I didn't expect that to happen, but it makes sense. Oh, I did. I thought those the zombies would come, you know, they were all pushing on this van, right. and the van goes over. They're gonna, there's going to be, all of them are going to be like flipping over the edge. Right. I'm not going to stop and go, whoa, that's a steep edge. I'm not going to go off that. <laughs> I'm, I'll just turn around and go the other way. Yeah, I'm, I wish we hadn't pushed that off of there. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to insert a holy crap moment from James from Oklahoma City, U.S. right here. Um, and uh, he says, holy crap, did you see how the van landed after falling off the bridge? If you look closely, the van was upside down around 75% fall, but lands completely flat at 100% fall. The impact would have realistically hit around the roof towards the back part of the van. I don't know what to say about this scene due to how crazy it was. Yeah, it was, it was badly done, in my humble opinion. I mean, you see the van from a wide shot go off. You see it go basically vertical, nose straight down. Then we get a shot inside the van looking out the front window with the ground coming straight at us. And then the van lands perfectly on its wheels. I... It was dumb. At the very least, yeah, it, it should have landed on its front end, I think. Or on the roof. Or on yeah, the roof. Yeah, should have gone. Yeah, I, I don't know. It was just, it was, the physics was all way off. They know it. We know it. Let's just forgive them, maybe, and move on. I, that's all you can do. I mean, the whole, the whole thing was dumb. I think the whole, con, the whole idea was dumb, though. Like, they're gonna, they're gonna buckle themselves in, fall off a bridge in a van, and, and just hope they survive. Like, there really was no some- other option, you know? I mean, open the back of that thing and start killing. Zombies can't climb into the back of a van very quickly. In fact, they'll probably just start bumping up against it. Now, if the if the van was going to fall that easily, maybe they would have fallen, and I guess it's worse if you're not strapped in and it falls. But why not 
they could have just stabbed some heads out the back of that van and probably been okay, you know? But- yeah, uh, you know, character-wise, story-wise, in the actual uh, in the actual story, yes, there was lots of other things they could have done. They could have done a uh, a Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid kind of thing where they jump off the uh, jump off the, the the bridge into whatever bucket of water is down there, and <laughs> luckily survived. They could have let the zombies crawl in the back where they uh, weighing down the back while they opened up the front doors and crawled out on the side of the bridge, mm-hmm. shimmying along. Uh, until they got around all the zombies. There was lots of options. Uh, basically, outside of that, the uh, the director, writer, producers tried something cool, and it didn't work. Yeah, that's, I think, what it comes down to. I don't think it worked either. So I got over it, though, and I moved on, but it was dumb. Really? I don't <laughs> think so. Well, maybe not. Um, at the bottom, they get out of the van... And Carol seems to have injured her shoulder somehow, so they walk off with him helping her along. Yeah. Uh, after a commercial break, eh, they're in some kind of alley somewhere, and uh, she says they're three blocks from the hospital, but they want to find a place to observe and watch and figure out what they do there. So when they uh, took a shot of this alley, uh, one of the prominent things in the alley is that van. There's a, there's a truck. Is there? Uh, with a, like a box van. It, my brain just went lorry. It's a lorry. I don't know why I keep thinking of the British term for a truck, uh-huh. but it's like a small cube van uh-huh. kind of thing. I saw that, and I'm like, hey, good, a cube van. That probably runs. And that might and come in handy on. later. And that It might come in handy later. Apparently it does, but uh, I think they made a point of showing us that van. All right. Well, it didn't work on me because I didn't make a point of noticing it. Um... What happens? They go inside. We cut inside, and uh, they're walking around. Daryl picks up... He has no weapons now, remember, because Noah has them all. So he picks up a machete from a walker that was on the ground. Conveniently, just a machete in his hand. And Machetes are everywhere, man. They, you can buy them in any hardware store, in any uh, thrift store, in any uh, outdoor store. Machetes are everywhere. That's true. I mean, if there's one weapon that you might want that you would easily find, it's probably a machete. Um, now Carol looks out a window and says it's them. And it took me a few minutes to figure out how she knew they were looking at the hospital, but you couldn't see any people or whatever, but I had to pause me to look and go, what the hell? Oh yeah. That makes perfect sense. There's two tiny little white cross vans in a parking garage way in the distance, but I couldn't, I didn't notice them the first time. So, uh, so a couple of things I want to point out here. Uh, sorry. Uh, so you're, yes, it took me a while to figure out. I looked, I scanned, I paused the, the frame and I scanned everything. I looked for people on the roof. I looked for people in the windows. I looked for people on the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the two vans with the crosses on them. I'm like, okay, so what? There's another van. You know, it doesn't mean it's them. It's just what, you know, if they saw one van. That's a clue. They see two vans together. Oh, it's them. So that that's the first problem I have. Okay. The second one is that memorize this shot. Like the angle, everything about this, the uh, the field of view, just to mentally picture it. You can see the whole building in the background. The little vans are are, are really tiny in the in the uh, uh, off in the distance, uh, and it's a really wide angle lens. You can see the whole building and a bunch of the sky beside mm-hmm. the, the building. Everything else, okay. I've got so it in my mind. It. All right, so we'll move on with the description now. It'll come in handy later. Believe me. Oh, good. Okay. All right. I've got that picture um, in my mind, and we'll we'll move on. So. 
they start their watch. What they're going to do is they're going to hang out here and take a look and watch and see what's going on. They start doing that. Daryl asks um, how he was before all this. And Carol says, he was a kid. Now you're a man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you've grown up a lot. And uh, she then explains how she went to that shelter with Sophia for a day and then just went back to Ed and got beat up some more. So, um, you know, they tried to sort of get away, but she ended up going back to her her abusive husband. And uh, I think, you know, she's changed a lot since then. She doesn't, uh, you know, back at the time, she sort of had the, she didn't know how to get away. She didn't know how to change her life. But now things are obviously different and she, she has been able to. Right. And, so while they're sitting at the window. Okay. <laughs> uh, the same image from before is in the background, uh-huh. but they're about a kilometer closer to that building. Really? Like Yes. Like the whole, they were able to hit the zoom function on those windows and move in. I had to assume that they moved to a different building that was closer so that they could watch it a little bit better. But because of the view that they could see of that building, there wasn't anything closer that would allow them to have the same view, but just closer. So anyway, it just, they zoomed in the background image on the green screen and it was, they failed again, in my opinion. Boy. Technical fail. This is a bit of a rough episode for... Technically, it is a rough episode. Overall, I think when we get to reviewing this episode, I liked this episode. It doesn't seem like that right now because I'm picking on it a lot, but everything that I'm picking on is is a technical fail, not a story fail. Well, still, though, I mean, you don't want to have that many sort of technical problems with a TV show. Well, no, not generally, no, but, you know, The Simpsons has problems. They're a cartoon. I think it'd be easy to fix them on The Simpsons, but... You would think so, I suppose, but I, I think everything on The Simpsons is intentional. Probably. Um, Carol explains, though, that the old Carol was burned away. And, uh, you know, then she changed. And then that Carol was burned away, too. And she keeps on changing because she says... She's a phoenix. She's a phoenix. That's right. Uh, Everything now consumes you. But Daryl says, we ain't ashes yet. Yeah. We're not not fully burned away yet. So they hear a noise now. Uh Uh-oh. A noise. A mysterious noise. They go to check it out. They come across a zombie with one of Daryl's bolts through its neck. So who who could it be? Um, (laughs) He takes it, and they proceed down the hall, and they find Noah, who pushes a zombie at Carol. And she has a close call because the zombie knocks her over, and with her, you know, dislocated shoulder or whatever she's got, she can't really get it off. Uh, But Daryl machetes it in the head, lucky for her. And he goes after Noah, and he catches up and body checks him into a shelf, which falls over and lands on top of him, pinning him down. Ouch. It's the same thing that happened to uh, Bob in uh, The Big Stop. That's right. His The booze shelf fell over. This was just an empty bookshelf that fell over. Right. Maybe Noah is addicted to books, so the symbolism was the same. It could be. Could be. Um, now, there's a zombie coming through a door who's trying to push his way through a door. Noah's begging for help. Daryl doesn't want to help him at first because, you know, this is the dick that stole our weapons. Uh, but Carol does. She she says we can't just leave him here. And Daryl starts to walk away. But in the end, he turns and he puts a bolt in the zombie's head just before he gets through the door and gets Noah. Daryl just wanted to mess with this guy. Just, you know, uh, torture him mentally, you know, mock execution kind of thing. Yeah. I'm going to let you die and right at the last moment saves him. He was just screwing with him. 
I suppose. I mean, it's enough to get anyone to crap their pants, I'm sure. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, and then he saves them at the last minute. So after a commercial break, it's uh, one more flashback, and Carol is now in the forest after destroying Terminus, and we can see the smoke in the background. We hear lots of gunshots, and she kneels down and cleans the dirt off of her face. Right. With the zombie-soaked <laughs> uh, poncho she was wearing. I assume she used a clean spot. A clean bit. Hopefully she did. We go back to the present. They get the shelf off of Noah, and he says they'll, uh, they will have heard the shot, so they got to get going so they don't find him. And uh, Daryl asks sort of about them and says, do they have a blonde girl? And Noah says, yeah, Beth, she helped me get out, but she's still there. There you go. <laughs> so there we go. We finally now know that Beth is in there. I mean, Z- Daryl finally knows that Beth is in there. And Daryl finds a carton of smokes. Don't forget. Oh, it's you're important. right. He found the smokes and he had one. Yeah, he was smoking one. Because if I was in the zombie apocalypse, I would take up smoking again. I guarantee it. I The first thing I would probably do is find a convenience store and get a carton of smokes. Isn't that not what you want to do? I mean, you don't want to be all smoky and wheezy when you're trying to run away. I never got really wheezy, and I probably would be wheezy and not able to run away anyway, so the smoking is <laughs> not going to really hold me down in that regard, and I miss smoking, and if the end is nigh, I'm going to be smoking. Hmm. Guaranteed. All right. Well, fair enough. If you miss it, I suppose. And I used to say, uh, people used to ask me, why do you smoke? And it's like, uh, I smoke because uh, I know I'm alive, because I know that, because I'm trying to kill myself. <laughs> and that's why I smoke. I'm not sure that's the best reason. <laughs> I was in my 20s. I was an idiot. Even if you just said, because I like it, that might have been okay. I liked it. I liked it when I smoked. I miss it now. And unless there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm not going to start up again. Does everybody who quit smoking miss it? No. How come you do? A lot of people think it's gross. Well, I do, but I never never smoked. I was never a smoker. Even the smokers think it's gross. How come you miss it then? I don't know. I just, it was the ritual of the whole thing. It was uh, opening up a new pack and taking, oh, and I can't even talk about it. It's uh, uh, taking the tin foil off, pulling out that first cigarette, and then just lighting it up, and then the deep breath. You got to find. Intake of breath. You got to find something else that, that satisfies that ritualistic need. Oh, of there's course. there's lots of other stuff that satisfies that ritual ritualistic need, but okay. it's just that, that whole ritual of smoking. Uh, and it was uh, also, especially near the end, it was, uh, this seems like the right time to smoke. I got 10 minutes between here and my destination, and I'm going to be outside the whole way. That's perfect for having a smoke. Weird. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I don't understand. Never part of my life. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, so they see the car drive up, uh, Daryl, Carol, and Noah, and these are the people coming to get them because they heard the shot. So they run downstairs. And, uh, you know, um, Noah falls down cause he's still got his twisted ankle or whatever. Daryl picks him up, but Carol runs ahead and she runs right outside the door into the road and gets hit by the car. So I don't care if it's a zombie apocalypse. I don't care if you've seen a moving car in 10 years. When you run across the street, you look both ways. It's clearly important because if you've you don't. Been doing that since you were six years old, uh, you look both ways. Yeah, if you don't, you get hit by a car, apparently. Yeah. There's one car driving around in the entire city, probably, and she gets hit by it. And if you're in a zombie apocalypse and you're running from one location to another, keep your head on a swivel. you got to be looking in all the directions all the time. Anyway, 
Poor. I don't, I don't think Carol would have got hit by that car. Poor survivor, poor surviving once again, once again. Yep. Um, so she's hit by that car. Daryl wants to run out and help her, but Noah sort of grabs him, holds him back, says, no, they have medicine, they have machines, they can help her, let them take her. Um, yep. And But Daryl's clearly upset by this. He does not want to let this happen, but he does. And uh, Noah says they have guns and they have people and it's going to take a lot to get her out. Uh, but Daryl says, so do we. We have guns and people too. Yeah. So there's going to be some big fight here, I think, in an upcoming episode. Um, or two. Yeah, or two. They, they go to steal that truck. They go back to the truck, which uh, the, the cube van that you were talking about. Lori. Yeah. And they steal it, they get in, they head back down the road, presumably back towards the church, and the episode is over, cut to black. So there you have it. Um, first of all, Carol was not taken into the hospital on purpose. She was hit by a car and taken in. She's going to wake up in that hospital not knowing where she is or what she's doing there. Right. Have you ever been hit by a car? Nope. Knock on wood. No, I haven't been hit by a car either, but I'm not sure that you would lose consciousness. Well, it depends. It depends if you hit your head. What happens? I, you know, I don't know. Well, then, yeah, I and, don't know. And don't forget, the other thing is, I think they knocked Beth out on purpose to take her there. Maybe Carol wasn't really unconscious, but, you know, they knock her out sometime between driving, um, picking her up on the road and wheeling her in on that stretcher where Beth sees her. Right. So it's a matter of, we found another girl, let's roofie her. Yes. That's exactly what's going on. Right. So regardless of what actual shape she's in, we got to drug her so that uh, she is manageable and we can get her into the prison that we have going that on. That seems to be what these people do. Yeah. One of one of the crazy things they do. Despicable. Despicable. All right. So this uh, episode, um, what I liked about it, I really liked. What I didn't like about it, I thought was really, really poor. And I think I'm... I'm almost 50-50 on this one. It was better, in my opinion, than the Beth episode in the hospital, but not as good as last week when we got the story of Abraham and Eugene and everybody. I think you probably hit the nail right on the head. Uh, I Overall, I, I, don't, I think I'm a little more than 50-50. I like this episode more than I disliked it. Uh, but uh, as far as rankings go, yeah, I would agree that it's uh, better than the Beth episode, but worse than uh, last week's episode. What I liked is that it brought this brought the show back to an urban setting for a little while. I thought that was fun, just going through the buildings, you know, seeing the the destroyed city out the windows in the background, you know, going from street level up top. Um, I I liked that. I was you know you don't realize how monotonous kind of being in the forest constantly is when you when you suddenly go back to the city and then you're like oh god thankfully a change of scenery this is great i remember uh you know on that note uh when i was in uh when i first joined the uh, the reserves i was we were we took a week to go up north and do a bunch of training in the bush we walked around the bush we did uh, orienteering we did uh you know hiding and that kind of, uh, you know, camouflage, that kind of stuff. <laughs> hiding. hiding. We're going to go learn how to hide today. We're going to go hide now. It's time for and I, hide and seek, everybody. <laughs> and we were up there for like a week. I think it was six days. And I remember when we first started coming back and we hit the, uh, we, we saw a gas station and it was the first time in six days that I had seen uh, the color blue. 
because <laughs> everything was green and brown. Uh-huh. Like, obviously, the sky was blue, but I didn't look up because I was in the bush. And everything was green and brown, and I saw the color blue for the first time. I was like, whoa, blue. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, this is what I mean. You get stuck in the in the jungle, not the jungle, in the forest for so long. It's yeah. It was just nice to get back to an urban setting. I think it, it opens things up, right? It, it gives the show an opportunity to do some fun, different things other than just hiding in leaf piles and <laughs> running, running from <laughs> right. zombies and finding priests on rocks and things like that, you know? True. So I did really, really like that. Um, but I kind of felt like, similar to the Beth episode, this episode had about 20, 30 minutes of, of story and... 20 or 10 or 20 minutes of kind of padding through. I don't know that they needed, again, a full episode to tell this story. If all they were going to do is show us the moment from uh, Daryl and Carol getting in that car to follow it and, and uh, you know, finding the, uh, finding the, the hospital and then Daryl leaving with Noah. There could have, I just feel like there could have been something else in there. This episode is the one that I think they should have combined with the Beth episode into one tight, solid episode. That's what uh, I was just going to suggest that I'm glad you brought that up because that's exactly what I I think too. Yeah. This would have been a great story. Sure, it would have uh, played out differently, but if uh, you interleave this story with the Beth story, you got yourself a solid episode. I think so for sure. No padding, you know, no filler, all killer. And it, it would have been it would have been fine. Um, some people you could have cut out the van falling off the bridge. You could have cut cut out the the uh, the exciting moment where they moved a bicycle. Uh, right. You know, you could have cut out a lot of crap. Yeah, and you know, some people on the internet suggested that even the last three could have been combined into one. I think that might be a little pushing That's it a little tough. too much. Um, if you were going to do that, you'd need a ninety minute episode, I think. Um, but you know. I don't totally disagree either. I mean, there was last week's episode wasn't perfect either, and it seemed to sort of drive the same points over and over again. Um, but at the very least, this should have been combined with with Beth's episode, Slab Town, and then uh, you know you have to figure something else out to fill out eight episodes in the first half of this season. But uh, in general, you know, I think we've had a few week week weeks in a row here. <laughs> Yeah. You know? So hopefully next week is going to be uh ass kicking good time planning the, you know, sitting around discussing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And then the final episode of the uh, the first half of the season, uh, they're actually going to do something. Well, let's hope. That's kind of what my theory is or my prediction for the last two episodes. They've got to plan the assault and then execute the assault. And, uh, you know, they'll probably sprinkle something else in there too just to – just because they have to, but uh, we will we will see. You know what? You know what's kind of sad. Nope. It, is if uh, if this show was uh, if this was Breaking Bad between this episode and the final episode, they'd throw in a train robbery. Yes, they would. And maybe <laughs> so, maybe that's what they're gonna do. Maybe, but I, I think the next episode. I think you're right, and I'm right that it's just gonna be planning. It's gonna be going to get them, and then it's all gonna be exhibi- uh, exhibition. Exhibition. What's the word I'm looking for? Ex- exposition. Exposition, thank you very much. Um, it's going to be talking about crap and going, okay, we got Beth and the, the thing over there, and we got a plan to go over there. Well, let's get up. Let's, you know, let's uh, find a car and uh, you know, lock and load, and then then, then they leave. And then uh, the other group with Glenn and Maggie and 
the armored pierogi and, uh, and everybody is going to come back to the church and it's going to be empty. And it's like, oh my God, okay, so we missed the party this time. Uh, and then it's going to be just yammering on, okay, planning this, planning that, and then nothing's going to happen next week. It's going to be, it's, it's, next week's going to be the worst filler episode yet. All right, well, let's not try to prejudge it. Let's, I'm, I'm going to choose to be optimistic. It's too late. I'm already prejudged. It's done. <laughs> I am going to choose. I think you're right. I think there's going to be. I think we should do the recap right now. No. <laughs> so it opens with them sitting around a table and a diagram of the of the the hospital. Oh my God! New segment: precap. A precap. That precap. May you may be onto something there, my friend. You write that down. <laughs> um, I am choosing to be optimistic, though. I think uh, I I agree with you but I hope they can find some way to do it in an interesting way. I think what we're going to see is the groups coming back together, obviously. Um, and then maybe we see something that happens on their way back to the city or something like that. I don't know, but I do feel like you're right. They just have to plan this thing and then get to it and execute it. And I think the execution of the plan is going to be awesome. Now, maybe, Maybe, Jason, maybe they will do half of next week's episode of sort of getting back together and planning, and then second half will be them at the um, at the hospital sort of starting the plan to execute it, and then the finale, mid-season finale, will be when all the awesome stuff happens. And it'll be a, it'll be a slow build to that next week, but it'll be worth it. Yeah, and then <laughs> you don't I, seem I think convinced. That, uh, well, no, I'm not entirely convinced. I'm just uh, what I'm annoyed at now, <laughs> already about next week's episode, is that uh, Maggie and Glenn and uh, Abraham and Eugene and Rosita are going to show up at the church, and everybody's going to be gone. They're going to leave a note saying we've gone to the city to save Beth, and uh, or maybe just we've gone to the city. Like they're not even going to mention Beth because that won't come up. But why would they then, do that? Sorry, they, why would they do that? They're not going to leave any sort of note. You know what? Who's going to be there is the father. The priest is going to be there, and he's going to say Daryl came back because you know he found that girl that was missing. And then Maggie's going to freak out and be like, "Oh my God, we have to catch up with these people because finally I want to go find my sister." I, I really don't think that that's going to come up. I think that uh, it's not going to be uh, uh, Maggie going to save her sister. I think it's going to be that group coming back with Maggie, or with, sorry, with Beth, and Maggie's going to go, hey, Beth, how are you? I've missed you. I've been worried about you so much. And we all know better, but that she, you know, it hasn't even crossed her mind that her sister's been kidnapped or missing at all. There's no way. There's no way they're going to bring Beth back. I don't even think Beth is coming back alive. To be honest with you, I think really. I think we're going to have a, a main character death in the next two episodes, and you know Carol's in there, but I don't think it's going to be Carol. Beth is in there. I I don't think Beth is surviving the next two episodes. Okay. Well, if that's true, then Maggie's going to end up killing her. Oh, that would be something. You've been gone Somehow. so long, bitch. I'm killing you. <laughs> well, no, not out of malice, but she's going to, maybe she'll show up and uh, find out that they've gone to save uh, Beth and Maggie will get all gung-ho and she'll gear up and, you know, put on whatever, uh, you know, kick-ass outfit she can find. And they're going to, she's going to show up and then somehow screw up the whole thing and end up killing Beth herself. Oh, man. We got, so, we got all these theories and probably none of them are going to come true. No, I like that one better. So I'm going to, you know, I've eased off on my hatred of next week's episode just a little bit because I think that uh, Maggie's going to kill Beth and I'm okay with that. That will be something exciting to watch at least. 
All righty. Well, we are, I think we're through the, um, the doldrums of the first half of season five now. Hopefully next week is not more of the same. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, I'm going to stay optimistic and hope that next week and the one after the, the episode after that are really amazing. And we go out into the break on a high note. I also hope this. All right. Very good. Let's take a quick break uh, to thank our sponsor. When we come back, we got holy crap moments. So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for that. This podcast is brought to you by you fine listeners who are listening right now. If you would like to help support the show, you can use our Amazon link by going to amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com when you do all of your shopping, especially now that we're coming into the holiday season. I know we haven't passed Thanksgiving in the United States yet, and I don't think Christmas season officially starts until after Thanksgiving. But if you are thinking about it or you're going to be doing some shopping on Black Friday, make sure you visit amazon.talkingdeadpodcast.com before you go to, to, uh, to Amazon's site. It'll redirect you straight there, and then every purchase you make will uh, doesn't cost you anything extra, but it gives us a small uh, cut to help put on the cost of this, uh, this year' podcast. And you can go to AmazonUK.TalkingDeadPodcast.com, too, if you happen to be in the UK and you don't want to ship things across the ocean, which I don't blame you, because that's expensive. Um, but you can use that link to shop in the British Amazon store, and uh, it works exactly the same way. Thank you so much to everyone who uses the Amazon links. We very, very much appreciate it, and uh, it's uh, it just makes my day every day. I walk around thinking about you fine folks all the time, so thank you very much. Time for Holy Crap, Did You See That? Our first entry this week comes from, is a call, and it comes from Matt in Wilmington, Delaware. Hey, Knuckleheads. This is Matt in Wilmington, Delaware, and I just wanted to share my Holy Crap moment with you. And it's, Holy Crap, 
Daryl Dixon, you take that crossbow bolt out of your mouth right now. You don't know where that thing has been. Wait, actually, you know exactly where it's been. It's been through zombies, probably been rolling around the dirt. Anyway, I think it was a terrible idea that Daryl put the bolt in his mouth when he was crawling through the doors and stuff. And, I don't know, I wanted to see if it bothered you guys as much as it bothered me. Because that's, that's how you get turned. <laughs> anyway, love the podcast. I uh, really like the episode, too. Great to see Carol uh, with her transformation. So, anyway, thanks. Bye. Yep, so Daryl pulled that, that bolt right out of that zombie then put it in his mouth. I didn't even notice. A bad, bad, bad idea. <laughs> Why didn't I notice that? That seems like something I would notice. I don't know. I mean, I guess he's just not worried about it anymore. He's like, I'm infected. Um, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna put this in my mouth because it doesn't seem to make a lick of difference. A lick of difference. Yep. All right. Uh, next couple we got here: Floyd in Lancaster, Ohio, and Nick in Connecticut. Um, sent in this one. Nick writes, holy crap, did you see that extremely flammable notepad Daryl pulled out of his bag? (laughs) Really disappointed me when that happened. Not only did the pad catch on fire instantly, but Daryl was able to throw it 20 feet and the flame wasn't blown out. Nice. (laughs) And then Sean in Lyons, New York, or Leons, New York, L-Y-O-N-S, not 100% sure. Sean writes, so apparently notebooks are made out of a mix of paper and gasoline. Did you notice <laughs> how easily Daryl's just burst into flames? Still, throwing it as a walker distraction was a nice nod to Romero's Land of the Dead, where they use fireworks to distract the dead. Yeah, and good thing he brought that because there wasn't enough trash in the street to uh, to find something to light on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's like, you know, there's there's crap everywhere, but I'm going to use this nice notepad. Uh, I don't that's know. Right. Maybe he just wanted to write a story later. But now he can't. Well, that's what I figure he needed a notepad for. Is uh, you know he's going to write a, a letter. Yep. You know, to himself in the future. Right, and put it in a time capsule so someone can dig it up in a hundred years and read about the story of Dixon. That's right. Okay. All right. So we have uh, an email from Samantha in Ohio. My holy crap moment for last night's episode was when Noah took the weapons from Daryl and Carol. I was like, who the hell does this punk ass kid think he is? Doesn't he realize he's signing his death warrant by doing this? If you're going to steal weapons from someone, they're a bad choice. I mean, I know he doesn't know that, but, you know, you'd think these people are not going to take this well. <laughs> Their names are in the credits. Doesn't he know that? <laughs> doesn't he know that? Uh, I guess not. All right, Jeremy from Charleston, West Virginia writes, Oh, my God, did you see the lost Mary statue on the dashboard of the van? So... Do you, I saw the Mary statue. Yeah, and do you recall those statues from Lost? Ooh. They found Charlie's them, heroin statues. That's right. They found them in a plane crash, and one of them had heroin, or maybe lots of them had heroin. They all had heroin. I don't know if they were exactly the same, but now that I think about it, it does sound like, or it does feel like they were similar. I think that was a Virgin Mary bobblehead, though, wasn't it? Well, not really a bobblehead. It was more like the hula girl where the uh, the whole skirt and upper torso move. <laughs> a Virgin Mary hula girl. <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure. Something like that. I'm not sure you can no, get I those. Least, uh, yeah, I don't think it was a uh, uh, a figurine like in Lost. But yes, it was a it was a Virgin Mary. But I, I didn't make the Lost connection. Thanks, Jeremy. Neither did I. But it was definitely similar. And you know, maybe it was one of those little sort of nods to another show. All right, next we have uh, John from the internet. He writes, holy crap, indoor zombie camp. Period. 
That's it. Period. Uh, exclamation point, point. Exclamation point. A double exclamation point. Yeah. Aaron in Syracuse, New York, writes, I had a couple of holy craps. First is that Daryl Dixon has amazing night vision. Have you ever driven down a country road with no lights on? Even following taillights ahead, it would be damn near impossible not to hit something or go off the road. True. Which is true. <clears throat> um, if, you know, you, you grew up in, in uh, northern Ontario, you probably drove yep. around at night with your lights off once in a while just for fun. Every now and again. It's really a whole lot easier to do it in the winter than it is in the summer. Because in the winter, the moon and the stars will reflect off the white snow mm-hmm. and make everything kind of nice and bright and pretty to look at. But in the summer, yeah, if there's like big over uh, a canopy overhead, it... Uh, it can get awfully dark. Way, way too dark to be driving without lights. Well, that's why they have uh, they have those big trucks with the lights on them showing, shining on uh, lights to make it look like night. They really help. They have trucks? What? The production company oh. that made the set <laughs> setting look like night, but they could still film it. Right. Uh, that, that really comes in handy. I in thought you meant situations. where you grew up. They have big trucks doing something. I'm like, okay. When they're filming stuff, they do. Sure, why not? All right, Aaron continues. Second is, holy crap, those police officers are terrible at their job. You're trying to find and rescue people, and yet, when you see a zombie pounding on a car with hunger and fury, you don't even reverse just to see what the fuss is about. They must have sent out the plot device cops on that run. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Good one. All right, so we have uh, Frank from, oh my God, really? Bucksnort, Tennessee? And, and And Frank wrote, sadly, I am not joking. Bucksnort, Tennessee. <laughs> Bucksnort, Tennessee. My holy crap, did you see that? Was the first Walker episode who was macking on Carol while she was crying. Never see its face and bare minimum makeup added. I guess Greg Nicotero was feeling lazy for that scene. Still, it was a nice touch. You don't have to see it to know it. Yeah, I went back and looked and you never see its face. I'm not really sure how Frank knows there was minimal makeup. I mean, I guess you don't see the face, so you don't see makeup, whatever. But uh, yeah, they don't always have to show us the zombie to know that they're disgusting. <laughs> right. And I've never been quite sure of that word, macking. But that just probably shows my age. Um, maybe, yes. Gemma in South Wales writes, My holy crap moment was the mother and child walkers locked in the rescue center. It was very harrowing. The place they had gone for solace was the place where they died. Sad, really. Really sad. All right, next we have uh, an email from Sharni in the hood. Sharni's from Toronto, as are we. So that's why oh. she's from our hood. Well, that's nice to know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I love that scene where Carol and Daryl are finding a place to hold up, and the city starts crawling with zombies, and it's all dark out and shit. <laughs> that was one of the few times the walkers really creeped me out in a while. That's what I was saying before. Like you can't see them, but you can hear them. And then it re- it was a little bit like the uh, the Abraham episode when Glenn and Abraham are standing at the window, and you can see zombies like outside, just dark shadows moving in the night. That's yeah. that's really freaking scary, and yeah. and they did it again here. So uh, good good. Have stuff. you ever had uh, raccoons fight on your roof at night? Um, yes, yes, I have. In the that's ba- kind of scary too. The roof, backyard, everywhere. I there's a lot of raccoons around this city. Yeah, that that yeah, that's really scary. But they're they're scrapping it out on the roof, and you can hear scratching and yelling and screaming, and it's nasty. Raccoons are crazy. They make the craziest sounds when they're fighting. And I'm not even sure if they're fighting with each other or, like, fighting over food or something like that. They just scream at each other. Stupid yeah. raccoons. There's a lot of them, so it's probably a territorial issue. That's that's true, too. Uh, who's next? Steve. Steve. Steve in Georgia. 
holy crap, loved the It's Raining Dead scene after Daryl and Carol escaped over the bridge in the van. Messy and the thud, thud, thud was a nice touch. That was cool. That's the only part of that scene I I liked, (laughs) frankly. (laughs) Yeah. No, it was fun. All right. All right. Uh, Rob in Richmond, B.C. My holy crap moment was after the title sequence when our two badass heroes are trailing the Bethnappers. You're telling me that in a world where almost nothing moves except zombies, the Bethnappers don't see a car following them? Uh, yeah, it's it's a good point. I mean, it's hard to see anything behind you when it's pitch black at night, and they don't have lights and you're on. Not, and they're looking at the front, right? Honestly. Of course. And... They're not expecting anyone there either, right? They're like, well, there's nobody around. I mean, there's no cars on the road anymore. Why would there be anyone following us? If, you know, your brain does funny things, right? If you're not expecting to see something, you sometimes won't. That's that's a documented phenomenon where uh, you see what you expect to see uh, no matter what you're really actually seeing. And I've had that happen. It happened in a video store one time where uh, a movie title was written in the same font as Star Wars, but it said something else. And I stood there for about five seconds trying to make that damn sentence say Star Wars, but it refused because it said something else. My brain just could not accept that it did not say Star Wars. It's the Star Wars font, and that's the only thing that font has ever said. That's right, except for this other movie, and I don't remember what it said. Yeah, it was uh, not important, I guess. Yeah, but that's my example of that. Your brain sees what it expects to see. Right, and and in this case, they weren't expecting anyone to be following them, so they weren't looking for it, and they expect yeah. they had nobody back there. Yeah. Um, Paul in Bakersfield writes, Holy crap, did you see that Carol and Daryl were born in a barn? I'm not sure they closed one door behind them. In the zombie apocalypse, you should always be closing doors so it's harder for anything to sneak up on you. That's true. It is true. I didn't really notice it in the episode, but if they left all the doors open, uh, that's just silliness. Silliness, I say. And frankly, if you're born in the barn, you know enough to close the barn door. Like, come on. (laughs) I suppose. I I don't know anyone born in a barn except for you. So, I I wasn't born in the barn. I was born in the hospital in Sudbury. (laughs) I'm just joking. I don't know anyone born in a barn. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying that if uh, you're born in the barn, you're born on a farm. And if there's a, a barn on a farm, you close the damn door. Because you don't want your cows to escape. Yeah. Or the horses or nothing. Right. All right. So next we have an email from Paul in England. One thing I loved and appreciated on The Walking Dead is its attention to detail. And uh, and I have to say, holy crap, did you see that same shot from Atlanta from the pilot episode overlaid with all the decay and destruction that's occurred in, in the time since? Even the abandoned vehicles on the right where the original owners left them. Awesome. Yep. So it was the same scene, but it was not the same shot. A lot had changed, or some things had changed. It was just dirtier and grimier, and uh, like uh, Paul said, all just had decayed more. But all the vehicles were still there. There was a train there. The buildings were in the background, of course, but they were in worse shape. So good, uh, good attention to detail there. I liked it too. So uh, that just tells me that, you know, when Rick went to Atlanta the first time, he came into Atlanta from this one direction. And then uh, after all this time, they're still on the same side of Atlanta. That when they go to Atlanta, they still have to come into that, via that direction. Yeah, so they went from the south to the north, back to Atlanta. That's what Carol said in the car at the beginning. So Rick approached Atlanta from the south, and then I guess when they 
reunited with everyone. They left back to the south, and now they're coming back in from the south. So, yeah. Maybe there's only one road that goes into Atlanta, and you, no matter where you are, you have to use that road. That's probably true. Yeah, probably. Um, who's next? Dylan in Hull, UK. Hey, guys, my holy crap moment from this week was seeing the walker pinned to the column with the arrow through the neck doing that awesome hand jive. <laughs> John John Travolta ain't got nothing on that guy. <laughs> I didn't notice the hand jive. What, what's he talking about? I didn't either, but I'm going to go back and look later. I like awesome. it. I like I love a good hand jive. I bet you do. Mm-hmm. All right, next we have an email from Dave in Coventry, UK. My holy crap, did you see that? Is Rick's tank from season one still abandoned on, in the street? It was there. It sure. Well, I know. You, well, you know who's going to get a tank? It's, you know who's going to get a tank and, and move it somewhere else and use it to destroy anything? It's it's tough to move a tank. Definitely tough to move a tank. So, uh, But it was just, again, nice, nice to see it. It was uh, reminding us of what happened way back in season one. Greg on the internet writes, holy crap, did you see that? This episode marked the second time that The Walking Dead has run three consecutive episodes without an appearance by Rick Grimes. Last season, it was still alone in the Grove, uh, which were Rickless. So three episodes in a row without Rick. Yep. Now it's happened twice in two seasons, and uh, Rick is supposed to be our main character here. But I guess when you have a big ensemble cast, everyone's important and everyone gets their due. Do you think uh, you think he gets paid whether he's in the episode or not? Probably. I don't know. I don't know how. Uh, I don't know how actor contracts work generally. Um, but it's you get paid per episode. But I don't know if that means if you're not in it, you don't get paid. I don't know. I don't know either. Somebody can probably tell us. All right. Next, we have uh, Jason in D.C. My holy crap moment was Carol using a knife with brass knuckles. Where did she get that thing? I don't. Uh, I think those are illegal in much of the U.S., but others would know better than me. Tell me, Jason, are they illegal in Canada? <laughs> they are most certainly not illegal. Not legal in Canada. Brass knuckles are very much illegal in Canada. All right. Uh, in the states, I don't know. Um, but every time we speculate on something, we are wrong when it comes to weapons in the U.S. So someone let us know about brass knuckles in the states. Yeah, and she's had that thing for a while. It's even in the uh, the title credits. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so she picked it up early on. Maybe she's always had it. I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, that's right. When she uh, when she was fourteen, she picked that up at a pawn shop. <laughs> exactly for for a dollar eighty six, and she's been carrying it around ever since. Yeah. Uh, finally, Michael in Missouri. Holy crap! Daryl and Carol in a bed together, and no hanky panky going on. I guess that may lay uh, to rest any thoughts of them having a romantic relationship. I tell you, all they needed was vodka. <laughs> if only they had some vodka. Vodka, the cause of and solution to all the world's <laughs> problems. That's right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think it's completely off the table, them having a romantic relationship, but it doesn't seem it, like they're trying to get around to it anytime soon. It'd be harder to explain now than it would have been if they hadn't shown this episode. That's true. If they'd just gone for it, then we all would have accepted it. The internet would have exploded in joy, and uh, for the most part anyways. But now, now they've had this scene with no interest in each other, and they're going to have to, they just have to start over again and then rework up that relationship. 
Right, and they could have done uh, they could have done this, and then have Carol uh, or Daryl, you know, fall in love with someone else. We could have had that Jack and Kate versus Jack or versus Jack and Sawyer, versus Kate and Sawyer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so there there could have been a love triangle. There could have been uh-huh. all kinds of stuff in here. But you know, really, I guess they don't want to get into soap opery kind of stuff where someone falls down a, uh, an elevator shaft and gets a brain injury, and uh, they have to transplant somebody else's brain into their head and. You know, typical soap opera stuff. Yeah, typical. I was going to say the next step after that is some kind of threes company misunderstanding and somebody sleeps with somebody else. And yeah, it just, we don't want to go down that road. Yeah. And Mr. Roper doesn't know what's going on, but Mrs. Roper does. So. (laughs) Right. And by Mr. Roper, you mean Rick doesn't know what's going on, but, (laughs) uh, you know, Carl does. (laughs) Carl's Mrs. Roper. (laughs) I don't know. Wearing those moo-moos. Why not? (laughs) If only Don Knotts were still alive, because uh, Mr. Furley would be awesome in this show. Oh, man. Don Knotts was fantastic. I loved I loved that show Yeah, back in the day. All right. That's it for Holy Craps. Thank you to everyone who wrote them in. If uh, any more exciting ones come in in the next couple of days, we will get to them on our feedback show on Wednesday. But, of course, we will also get to all the feedback uh, from this episode that uh, you can send in. So if you would like to do that, you can call us at one 483 9662 It's toll-free. It doesn't cost you a thing. And uh, you can find us on Twitter at Talking Dead or on Facebook at facebook.com slash thetalkingdead. And, of course, you can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Um, so, like I said, we'll be back on Wednesday night with the feedback show. Hope you enjoyed this one. Until then, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.